This episode of No Quarter is sponsored by the Underground Retrocade. You love these games, and the way you want to play them is on the original cabinets. You want to see the side art, you want to feel the controls, and you want to hear Depeche Mode on the stereo. And that is a very common desire, because hey, people are people, and games are games, and they all should spend more time together. And what a coincidence, you can do that at the Underground Retrocade, 121 West Main Street, West Dundee, Illinois. I'm Mike McGinnis. And I'm Carrington Vanston. And this is No Quarter, a weekly arcade podcast where we talk about the games we like to play or that you like to play or that we don't like at all. That's a very long slogan we have. <laughs> it changes a little bit every week, you know. I like it. How are you, Mike? I'm doing well. Trying to stay warm. I tell you how cold it is here, but I, the numbers that I give you don't seem to matter that much because <laughs> they don't make any sense to you. Give it to me in Kelvin. <laughs> yeah. Or Hobbs. It's been... It's been slightly above freezing for most of the week. How's that? That is, you know what? That is totally reasonable. I get that. You mean something in like one, two, or three degrees. Something like that, yes. Uh, about the same here. Yeah. 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 And we had a tiny bit of snow today. Evil, evil snow, but I don't think it'll stay. But still, this whole snow before Christmas, usually in Toronto, most years, it's pretty rare that we get any snow before um, ho, ho, ho time. Uh, last year we did though, and it looks like maybe this year we will. And I don't like it. I tell you. <laughs> yeah, we we generally get a couple of really good snows before Christmas, and then it really kind of settles in hard and heavy in, in January and February. Coming in hard and heavy. It is, but that means that uh, while all the Colorado outdoor types are are out there snowboarding or doing whatever it is that they do when they're not inside, uh, I'm inside. <laughs> whatever it is, gaming they do. and. And talking to you and having a good time with our listeners. Yay for gaming. Oh, yeah. Nice segue. Yay for gaming. And speaking of listeners, we got feedback. <laughs> Lots <laughs> Love, of feedback. Professional baby. Um, let's we're smooth. See. Her Highness Jessica wrote ah, in. We're back to, to this say, again. <laughs> yeah. I, I wasn't going to. And then right last minute, I'm like, oh, I think that bugs you. I got to stick with that. Her Highness <laughs> Jessica says. That's what motivates no, me. No, I love it. I in, love it. Keep doing the, it. Oh, then I'm going to stop. In the last episode, <laughs> we mentioned that it was hard to enter initials into Red Baron, but we didn't give, or, but you didn't give any details. You was Royal You, I think it's to both of us. Um, why is I it hard? Tell me, tell me why, why? Uh, do you want to tell her, Mike? I would, but I don't know. I did. I don't remember having trouble with that. Oh well, I had trouble with it. I found it very hard to do the scrolling because you're scrolling with a joystick, mm, and yeah. at least on mine, you can only scroll forward. So you better not miss the letter you want because you can't scroll back, and there's no erase feature. So it's like a bunch of times I was like, I like to enter my initial, and I guess I'm entering somebody else's initials. So on my implementation, it was very difficult because of that. But mostly the aiming for your letter doesn't work well at all for somebody like me who gets high scores, you know, every time and constantly course, has yes. to enter his mm, initials. Sure, sure. It's more of a more of a problem with me than you, I think. I I got uh, I think I remember getting irritated the first time at how difficult it was, and then I just sort of did the you know AAA thing so I could mm -hmm. get back to playing the game. I hear you. That's probably a better solution than my whining. Uh, oh, I heard an inhalation. Do you have one? No, I, okay. <laughs> I was about to, to disagree, but then you said something about Carrington whining, and I couldn't disagree with that. <laughs> oh, I see. Okay, well, um, Baron Kurt wrote in to say, gentlemen, 
Uh, oh, sorry. Citizen listener Kurt here. So I guess he's given himself a title. I should have looked ahead. Citizen, Citizen listener, listener Kurt here. When I heard the disparaging phrase concerning one of the quintessential bands of the 80s escape Mike's lips, <laughs> I had to do a double take. No love for Journey? Sure, the arcade is garbage, but you have have you forgotten this? And he sent us a link to um, the scene in Tron where they show uh, Flynn's Arcade, and in the background is a Journey song. Then he continues, or this, and he sent us a second link to uh, a similar scene in Tron Legacy, where he's walking through the arcade, and you can hear the subtle sounds of Journey in the background. And he concludes, at least in the Tron world, Journey is the essence of 80s arcade ambience music, and in all fairness, Sticks rocks too. I like that email. He took you to task. He did, and I don't think anyone cares why I actually said that. So. Um, how can you not like Journey? I care. I like Journey. I do. My my. Okay, here it is. My wife is a a fan of that television show Glee, and I guess one or two seasons ago, uh, they did a cover of it that was a huge popular thing, and so that got played in heavy rotation around the house enough to where it annoyed me. So that when I had the opportunity to take a cheap shot that I knew nobody could immediately react to, I did so. Well, that That's explains all. it. I actually do like Journey a lot. Then I'll go not back and edit sticks. the last show. <laughs> well, no, not as much as sticks. Let's, no, you're let's, just gonna edit, let's not have crazy talk here. You're just going to edit this show so that I, that I said Journey sucks again. I'm just, I'm just going to cut the part out of the last show and put it back in. The, right. I might put Paste it in it every show. In. Sounds good. That'll be my intro. I'm Mike McGinnis. Um... So this, what else did we get? Oh, uh, two people, two separate people sent us in um, a very similar link, but different links that all eventually went to the same thing. And they were both about the Space Invaders mug. So first was, uh, let's say, Kaiser Danny. I'm going to struggle coming up with these <laughs> things, I realized. Kaiser Danny wrote in to say, here's an interesting Space Invaders mug where the handle is a joystick. And he sent us a link over to um, that's nerdalicious.com. But Sultan Richard wrote in to say, I know you guys want this. And he sent us a link to Gizmodo. And both of those links that the fellow sent in linked back to eventually ThinkGeek, where the mug is actually available for sale. So I tracked down the source, but I will put all three links, including where you can buy it, in the show notes in case somebody wants to check out this uh, pretty cool Space Invaders mug. I got mugs on the mind because I'm looking to collect more mugs and this is a neat one though the handle looks awkward because it's like a full-size joystick jammed on the side i don't know if it'd be pleasant <laughs> to hold uh it's 12.99 plus shipping um other than thinking currently shows that it's out of stock <laughs> so all of that just to tease us <laughs> uh, i got an, an email from uh your ex-co-host actually uh michael Moore or, or are you gonna tell to... me from my ex-co-host Mike McGinnis. Well, that <laughs> one too. To yeah. say that, he's off this podcast. <laughs> that's coming next. This week. is how you tell me. <laughs> uh, Michael Mohorn wrote in. To oh, on RCR, that, right? Um, yes, he was outraged that we forgot to mention the uh, Snoopy and the Red Baron songs that were um, such a big part of pop culture for about thirty seconds in the late nineteen sixties before I was born. Um, actually, I tease a little bit. I did have both of the forty-five RPM. Records. I think it was. I don't have it in front of me, but it's the. I want to say it's the Royal Scotsman. Maybe maybe wrong on that, but they did uh, in '67. They did one called Snoopy versus the Red Baron, based on the uh, Peanuts character, obviously. And then they did a follow up a year or two later called The Red Baron Returns or something like that. Mm-hmm. 
sure my co-host will paste in a few seconds of samples later on. Won't you, Carrington? I, I would say 50% chance people just heard that sample. <laughs> there you <laughs> we'll go. See, we'll see how lazy I was in editing. People, <laughs> sure, people now sure. in the future know at this point in the show whether I was too lazy to do that or not. <laughs> Who knows? <laughs> Very meta, sir. So when it comes to um, Snoopy music type song things, my mind immediately goes to something that probably will be of no interest to our listeners, but hey. You know what? It just I haven't thought of this in forever, so I'm going to share. When I was a kid, I had a Snoopy radio, and it was a cutout in the shape of Snoopy's doghouse with Snoopy on top of it, like the way mm-hmm. that he lies on top of the doghouse. And it was an AM radio, like AM only. And I remember it had a little strap and it had like speakers on the back, and I think it had oh, a cool. pull-up antenna. And I loved that thing. I used to fall asleep all the time listening to stuff. And it was this weird thing where because of the nature of the atmosphere and clouds and, you know, science, there are certain <laughs> times that you can pick up AM stations from that you could never pick up normally. So late at night mm-hmm. sometimes, for some reason, somebody will write in and explain why, I could, I could tune into radio stations that were way deep in the U.S. And because they're bouncing off stuff <laughs> again science um i could hear them so i'd be up late at night in my bed and i tune into these stations and they have old-time radio on it so i used to listen to like the shadow and all these oh, old-time nice. radio shows and it was awesome very cool but then i would fall asleep with it going and i would wake up and it would be static and i would tune in to try to find that station again, and there'd be no station i'm like i swear there's a station here <laughs> like i would try mm. during the day and it was only like late at night i'll go to bed i would try again and there it was like now now comes you know boston blackie or or some other like I just loved all this old OTR stuff and I got totally hooked on it with this weird situation where I could only hear it late at night and then the stations were just gone in the morning and that's my my Snoopy radio memory so there you go Snoopy radio I had one of those Snoopy snow cone machines I was cool <laughs> you are cool <laughs> that's the kind of cool that stays with you man <laughs> that's right that's awesome that's awesome I want a Snoopy snow cone now let's go have one okay bye everybody <laughs> See you later. It's yum yum fun that is cool and keen. And its name is the Snoopy Snow Cone Machine. You put ice cubes in and get a snow cone out. This is fun. Yum yum fun is what it's all about. Some assembly required and you mix the punch flavor. It's yummy Snoopy. It's yum yum fun that is cool and keen. And its name is the Snoopy Snow Cone Machine. Snoopy Snow Cone Machine comes with everything you see here from Hasbro. Um, so I don't know if you have any more feedback, but I think we have something we're going to give away. All right. We have a contest. Yay for us. I like this idea. I think I read about this on your Twitter feed. I emailed you, but then I remembered that Carrington doesn't actually read his email. So, so the easiest way to tell me about a contest is just announce it. I like it. it. I'm totally on board. (laughs) I love this idea. We're giving away something cool, man. Yeah. We're giving away, um, an X arcade stick of, of the winner's choice. Um, now, this is a, a 50-50 sponsored uh, contest. At, um, X Gaming, the company that makes the X Arcade Sticks, is is donating half and our sponsored in uh, in Chicago at the Underground Retrocade. West Dundee, actually. Did you want to do a quick little <laughs> read there? 
I do that read every week, and I'm just okay. pointing out that it's not Chicago; it's West Dundee. I see. What our West Dundee affiliate in uh, just outside Chicago will be covering the other half of the stick. Now, uh, I want—I do want to make clear that this is just for the sticks that they currently make. It's sticks, not, for the, not Journey sticks. <laughs> that's right. It's not for the uh, anything that's out of out of production, like the old standalone. But it's anyone they want. Line. Like it can be the solo or the dual or the big old tank stick. Like you can go right. full end and have have the number one highest one anything that does wants. not it also does not include unfortunately their the big arcade cabinet that they make or the the brand new arcade to tv podium thing and but fact, this will wet their whistles and so let's talk about that big arcade podium and then people yeah, when was, you pick up the tank stick you're going to want to eventually up step into the big leagues with this yeah this thing's pretty amazing so it's it's a little it's a, a two-player I guess waist high podium that's designed to plug directly into a a large large screen LCD monitor uh, for you and your your friends to play on. Yep. Have you and, seen and unlike a lot of things, like if you want to set up your own MAME cabinet or whatever, this just comes ready to go. It's got over two hundred fifty games in it. You basically plug it in, turn it on, you're gaming. So like super super you know just plug and play easy action. Um, and also what I I. It's kind of weird, but I think that like the thing I like best about it is down at the bottom, the the diamond plate foot area. It is super cool looking. <laughs> just saying, <laughs> I, I got some of a diamond plate. I really like it. Now this is a a so it's a, a standing a free uh, I guess a freestanding or I guess you could like bolt it to the floor uh, podium. But it looks like it'd be pretty easy to if you're one of those marathon gamers, you could easily slide a stool up and continue playing. What do you say? If, of course, I'm one of those marathon gamers. Oh, well, of course. I forgot who I'm talking to. <laughs> so, yeah, check you it out. There. If, you, <laughs> if you go to their website, we'll have a link to it. Uh, there's there's a video, a short little video that they've got of some other podcast that's that's uh, reviewing it in their vodcast. They're playing Joust or something like that. It looks really mm-hmm. cool, and I wish I could afford one. Yeah, totally. So people should check that out because that's the newest thing from them. But But I'm just delighted that both um, X Gaming and the Underground Retrocade were stepping up to offer this to one of our listeners. Like, that's totally th- just the swellest thing ever. Absolutely. Now, we thought about this, well, I thought about it for about 30 seconds. I don't think Carrington thought about it at all. Uh, uh, what sort of contest we might come up with to make it to make it interesting? Couldn't come up with anything because I'm not creative at all. So we'll do the same thing that we did last time, submit uh, submit an email to what is it? No quarter at monsterfeet.com or to, or to Carrington or to myself or tweet or on Facebook. And we'll tally all that up. Tell us how cool you are and why you think you should have one of these. <laughs> and we will pick a winner at random uh, on our final show, uh, in what, two weeks. That's our final, our final show. No. <laughs> our, our goodbye folks. Well, that's the other end. No, no well, the uh, end of the month, because again, a <laughs> couple right. more weeks, it'll be the last show in no vector. So that's finishing right. off this series and we'll pull it then, but it'll be totally a random draw. So it makes it totally fun and easy for everybody. So if you just reach out to us from this moment on, I think we should count the people that wrote in this week. That seems. Yeah, I, I agree. So if you touch base with us and you send an email, or even if you don't want us, one, then you will be entered in the draw. If you don't want one, if you've already got one, be nice and let us know and we'll not include your name because, you know, if you don't want a second one, though I don't see why you wouldn't want a second one. <laughs> so I'm uh, just saying, um, yeah, it's really swell. And you get to have anyone you want. So if you don't want, if you don't have room for the, like the big tank stick, then you can pick the dual or, or even the solo. So whatever is going to fit your needs best, head over to xgaming.com. We'll have a link to it, obviously, in the show notes so you can check out the, um, the stuff they, they build. Yay for contests. I agree with yay for contests and yay for sponsors. Also, yay for games. 
we should talk about one of those. I think that's why we're actually kind of here. I, is it a vector can... game? <laughs> it is, Carrington. My goodness. Are you well, shocked? I am shocked. Well, if I was working on the monitor inside this one, I might be shocked. I might yeah, be kidding, blown right? up or set on fire. My goodness. Um, we are this week talking about 1981's Sega Gremlin game, Eliminator. Which I think was the name of a journey album. I, I think that's a ZZ Top. Oh, album. I see. Okay. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. So this is a, a a the game is simple. It's a large spheroid known as the Eliminator floats randomly. John Grisby says it's the Death Bagel, and I cannot stop calling it that. Well, now that's going to stick in my head. So the Death Bagel floats around randomly on the screen, and it destroys everything that it touches. Uh, you pilot a spaceship around and try to avoid being hit by it. Other players and or drones while fighting. Mm -hmm. But there's lots of things about this that really set it aside. But the thing that jumped out first to me is you shoot an enemy and they don't blow up. They shoot you and you don't blow up. You're like, basically you're sending out, well, they look like little laser beams. They're essentially pushes. Like if you shoot an enemy, all you do is they bounce off that and you're knocking them away or they're knocking you away because the way that you die here most of the time is if you bump into the death bagel, the death bagel, the, the big, <laughs> I know it's awesome. The, the big um, spherical or round in this case, because it's flat round uh, shield around the, 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 the growing little super bad guy that's inside that. Um, that's the thing that will kill you. So when the enemy drones shoot you, they're, they're trying to knock you into that force field or you conversely can do the same. Um, but that, that's the thing that jumped out right away. I was like, I'm shooting them and nobody's dying. Is, is this, is this supposed to be right? And that is how the game plays. Yeah, that was obviously what. Yeah, one of the first things I thought too was like, my goodness, I how do I die in this game? And then immediately flew into the death bagel and died. Uh, I thought that was kind of a neat sort of, um, I guess, alternative to the space combat thing. I mean, you do blow up, and you the idea is that you can destroy the the other ships that are incoming. But it isn't just blasting away at them and hoping that, that you get them before they eventually overwhelm you because each level happens on the same playing field. Nothing really changes there. It's just that with 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 the event, you know, you, when you go from one level to the second level, it's two ships. And to the third level, it's three ships. And, mm-hmm. uh, up and to it, five it, maximum, it seems. Up to five, yes. Like it's, it's, it, the game gets pretty quick. Uh, and to move on in the game, you have to destroy the, the, the creamy – Cream cheesy center of the death bagel. <laughs> uh, so, the, and the way that works is it as it floats around, there's a, a long Death Star. It's death totally Star's Death channel. Star. This thing completely <laughs> is seriously influenced by Star Wars. Yeah. Uh, the the, the um, ray shielded port that they have to hit with the, the, the photon torpedoes. Man, I'm going to get taken to task if I get this wrong. Um, you have to shoot down the, the the channel there and it blows up and that's how you move on. Uh, if you destroy the ships, I don't think more of them regenerate, but uh, there are two different versions of, of the two-player game and we'll talk about this a little bit later on. But basically in, in one of them, you also have a timer that counts down from 30 and you have to destroy the, the um, bagel by, by the 30 seconds or uh, you, you your play is over. Yes, and then the... the- easier one because it's weird this game got released and it was considered basically too hard and so they came out the later version where the objects are bigger um the drones start firing essentially randomly instead of always targeting smartly directly at you and then there's less of a a ticking time bomb with the death bagel though it is still the case that there's like inside the 
the the death bagel is the actual eliminator. I guess that's what. It, so the there's the main the main oh, bag chip, okay. and it kind of grows inside the death bagel. So you see, so it starts really small and it gets bigger. And after a certain amount of time, it'll be big enough that it leaves the the death bagel <sighs> and it comes out after you. And it has shots. That are actual shots. It says, okay, enough of this pushing everybody around <laughs> business. Let's start blowing things up and it can shoot you and actually destroy you. So it really is in your best interest to try to de- defeat the Death Bagel to get that tunnel shot. The only way you can blow it up is shoot down that little tunnel into the Death Star Bagel thing. And um, and, and then when you do that, you're right. It, it goes to the next round and adds one more uh, one more drone unless you're already at the maximum of five. And everything gets a little faster and, and it takes it from there. But I, I really dig it. It's super colorful. I like the sounds. There's a lot about this game that I really liked. Yep, felt a lot like um, the gameplay sort of felt a lot like um, asteroids, except where in asteroids, when you hit the thrust button, then you you know it it sort of that presents a more realistic physics model where you just drift until you uh, run into something or thrust in a different direction. Whereas this, as soon as you stop thrusting, you glide to a halt, um, and it, it it does sort of become a challenge to kind of strategize how how you can bounce off corners and bounce your shots to drive the other ships into the bagel of death and avoid the same fate while you maneuver around to the, to the chamber and, and to shoot the eliminator. Yeah. And it works out really nice um, strategy wise. Cause I found if I, to get that tunnel shot, I usually had to be fairly close to the, the death bagel. Yeah. It's a fairly um, narrow, a narrow chamber. Yeah. And, and if I'm too far away, I, it was very difficult to aim your shot because it's rotating. Like the main thing is like as it's moving around the screen, it's also rotating as in it's around its own radius. So uh, around its, my goodness, there's a phrase <laughs> rotating around its <laughs> radius is exactly not what it's doing. It's spinning like a platter. And so if you're up close, it's much easier to time your shot. So it goes down that tunnel. But by being close, it's much more likely that one of the drone shots will hit you and knock you into it. So you kind of have to time going in close firing and try to destroy it right away. So a lot of little strategies come up. Um, the game, though, is crazily more fun, as you mentioned, as a multiplayer game. This is one of those few games where we played where oh, yeah. it's simultaneous multiplayer. And if you play more than one person, that and not just two, but more than one, because there's a four-player version of this game, super awesome. Can't wait to talk about the uh, the um, uh, the cabinets on this one. But when you're playing the two- or four-player version, then there aren't any of the drone ships. There is just you and other players. And the idea, of course, is, well, you'll all gang up and try to shoot the death bagel. But in reality, you are given points for shooting and then eventually destroying the other player. So you're kind of encouraged to turn on each other. And the game gets much more interesting that way. And then once only one player is left, then the drones uh, start to release and, and then they become essentially the, the other players. Um, but it, I, like it's, I got, I had a friend come over this week and she and I played, the two player version of this game. And it is infinitely more fun than the one player. The one player was great, but two player is hilarious. And, and just, you know, you undermine each other and you shoot and very fun, very fast. Just great, great two player game. Loved it. Can't wait to destroy you at Kansas Fest. <laughs> totally. This is absolutely the nice thing. Is it's a button only game. So there's a nice portable game. You can bring a computer. Everyone just gathers around keyboards and you can play. So it's a game that's easily portable and super fun as a multiplayer game. So like I highly recommend if you have a couple of people want to play, this is a really good simultaneous multiplayer game. Loved it. Yeah. We're, we're beginning to compile a list of two player games uh to play at kansas fest and i don't think we've actually been keeping track of that so maybe we should start writing we got, that down we got this one 
We do, yes. Um, Our list is now one. Yeah. It, it sort of feels like maybe an advanced version of um, Asteroids. I know that Asteroids was Atari, but the but the the play feels very similar. You got the the but using the buttons for thrust and turn. There's no joystick control at all. Uh, the game was released officially in 1981, but not until late December of 81. So it's almost an 82 game. Very colorful. I like the sounds. Everything about this game. I I don't have any complaints, especially, and it's easy to complain about vector games because you know you you got great ones like the the uh, commander. Drawing a blank on the the one that we played it last year. Uh, where you're sort major of this, havoc. Like, major havoc. That's the one. You got great ones like that, and then you got really poor ones. And and this is re- fortunately one of the really good ones. I, I had a great time with this game. Yeah, I agree that there's a lot about the play that in in a lot of ways would remind me of of Asteroids. I was also reminded a lot of Star Castle. The controls yeah. feel mm-hmm. very much like Star Castle, and you're also dealing with very similar sort of scintillating, colorful graphics and that. So for me, it's very it's it's not a game you'd confuse with Star Castle, but it lots of elements reminded me of Star Castle. So I I I, I like that a lot. Another thing to bring up is the. Um, that was at first messing me up is you get to have one shot on screen at a time. I, I, I think of this as gorf shooting. So if you <laughs> shoot and your little bullet is going on screen, if you shoot again, your first shot just disappears and then a new shot comes out. So if you, if you just completely spam the, the shooting, you'll just have a whole bunch of lasers kind of right in front of you, but you can't shoot anything in the distance. So um, it really does sort of change the strategy in shooting when it comes to comes that, because you only do get to have that, one going at a time. And I, I think that's also, uh, it's different, of course, and I feel more challenging than the other type of one shot on the screen that you see sometimes where you can, you hit the button, the shot goes and you can bang the button all you want and nothing else is going to come out until that shot clears the screen. Whereas with this one, if you're impatient and don't wait for it to hit what, it, what you're am. shooting at, <laughs> as you are, uh, your shots will never get there. Never. My shots still have not got there. <laughs> uh, okay, so let's talk about the hardware. This this game features the, the Sega G80 vector hardware, which means it's a Z80 CPU at, at 4 megahertz for, for the main chip there. Um, and the sound processor is an Intel i8035 plus discrete uh, sound circuitry. Um, there are five PCBs inside the the cabinet which my co-host will that talk about is a just lot a of pcbs yes there are a lot of pcbs there's the cpu board the sound board the xy timing the xy control and there's a 48k eprom board with the 2716 chips this is one of the games that has the sega uh security chip on it i don't know if it's one of the ones that melts down and, and eats the board that it's on or not but uh, that's nothing to worry about if you're emulating that that encryption was cracked a long time ago the game was available to, to arcade owners as one of the converted game boards. Um, Mike's Arcade has a nice article discussing that particular technology, and then we'll have a link to that in the show notes. But basically, there was Space Odyssey, Astro Blaster, Space Fury, Eliminator, Monster Bash, Zektor, TaxScan, and Star Trek were all these converted game boards. It basically meant that by swapping the board, you just open the front of the, ca- of the cabinet, Swap the boards out and you were playing playing a different game. Mm-hmm. I remember we talked about that when we reviewed TaxScan, which was, I think, part of our no vector of last year. That's right. So I'm pretty sure. I know we've reviewed it, and I think we talked about the converter, the converted game system then, and I think it was part of no vector a year ago. So see that episode if you want more details. I'm yeah, pretty sure it's there. <laughs> I think we went into more depth on it 
And I'm sure that our listeners will let us know if we're wrong about yeah. that. The other thing about the hardware is this, um, I think the same as last week, this uses that Electrohome G08003 oh, yeah. um, monitor, the, the, the burst into flames monitor. There <laughs> yes. is an amazing article. If you want to read about it, there's a great article over on GameFacts.com called The Evil, Infamous, Unreliable, Flaming Electrohome G08. <laughs> <laughs> so I was reading through it. It's great. So if you've got a, a game like this, um, you should definitely read that article and you should definitely keep a, a, a like a fire extinguisher handy, I guess, because they <laughs> tend to just burst into flames. Um, crazy, crazy, man. As we, as we mentioned, this obviously is a vector game. Uh, it was on a, a, a 224 by 256 pixel XY monitor, uh, 256 colors, which is kind of a lot, especially for vector games. It, it makes um, good use of them though, because it cycles through them. Like the yep. death bagel goes like sort of cycles and scintillates through a whole rainbow of colors it's a really nice effect yeah it's got those little rainbow wormy things in the middle which i guess is the eliminator growing and then the <laughs> the the bagel itself the frame of the bagel cycles through sort of a yeah a it really shows off well. its color capabilities well yep. yeah the ships are all multicolor. it's not just like uh, this triangle blob is you and that orange triangle blob over there is the enemy like last they, week where it's all white and they just slap a <laughs> blue fil- filter over the whole screen and go there it's right. sky <laughs> here yeah, we've come exactly. a long way in one year yeah yeah, see, and I think this is, I think they did a really good job with the, the attention to detail and the little touches. Again, the polish here makes a big difference in sort of how the game feels overall and, and whether or not I want to come back to, to playing it. I, I, this is a, it's very challenging and, and gets hard in a hurry, but you never feel like it's so difficult that you're just being overwhelmed. Until you're overwhelmed. Until you're overwhelmed. <laughs> Until that correct. moment early on when you are overwhelmed. <laughs> around and I guess five. I'm just a sucker for that because I just kept pumping the virtual quarters into it. Yep. Okay. So um, that reminded me there's a really interesting thing about the quarters in this. So yes. there were actually three different cabinets for this. So there's the upright cabinet, um, which being one of those Converta game systems is probably the reason why it has no side art boo i say to that boo um so it's very generic cabinet yeah so with the kit you would get bezel art and you get a control panel and you get a marquee and they said that's good enough i like side art so that disappoints me um control panels neat in that it's just you know buttons and but it's kind of colorful and has the player instructions on it the instructions also uh are not truthful about the points it tells you the points you get for everything, but that's only the points at the start of the game. We didn't oh. mention that. As you go from level to level, the number of points increase for various things. So like it starts off, we'll read everything, but basically if you shoot like a, a opponent player or you shoot one of the drones, you get 50 points, um, but then that goes up 50 points by level. So by, by level five, you're getting 250 points for shooting them. And if you like that tunnel shot you can do to blow up the death bagel, you get 500 points but it's 500 points per round you're on up to 2,500 points. So like the, the points for everything scale up a lot. And so the, uh, the control panel kind of, kind of, uh, underplays the number of points you can get. Um, there was also a cocktail cabinet, which is a fairly, you know, standard cocktail. Doesn't really jump out two player. So one on one side, one on the other, just buttons, instructions on the top. Not that exciting. But what is exciting is there's also a four-player version of it. And so that is what they called an island game or like a tabletop game. So imagine a four-player cocktail cabinet, but taller because you stand at it. So it's sort of table height game. The monitor is the table. So it's the monitor facing straight upward. And on all four sides of the table are color-coded control panels, blue, white, uh, green, and red. 
Nice. And it's to- it's nice. It's colorful. All four sides also have um, coin drops. And I really like this because normally you'll have like if you play a cocktail game, there's the coin either on the side or just player one gets it. And that person pumps in all the coins and you pump in as many credits as you want. Weirdly, the four player version of this game is essentially like it's like the opposite of uh, the later coin sucking games because there's no start button on the four player game. If you put a coin in, that counts as your start button. First person put a coin in. It begins a 30-second countdown, and the coin mechanisms have lockout coils. So when you put one coin in, it won't let you put another one in. And then everyone else has 30 seconds to insert a coin, and then they'll be part of the game. Once the game's running, the lockout coils are on all four of them. You can't join a game in process, and you can't put a quarter in to continue. It's like, nope, one game, that's what you get, and we start over. (laughs) It's totally a different mentality, because by two years later, games are just like, why don't you pay some extra? (laughs) Would you like to pay some whips? Why don't you pay some... Like, it's just a completely different mentality and this was before i guess they were thinking hey maybe we could get a whole bunch of money out of people for a game Mm -hmm. instead this is nope the quarter is the start button and i thought that was really interesting the the island game the tabletop also has an optional top marquee i think they call it a canopy so basically four stilts come up and then there's the marquees around that that make it really tall it's gorgeous i absolutely adore it it is one of the best looking cabinets ever and it instantly became on my you know wish list it is a grail cabinet even if it's going to burst into flames and explode or whatever uh it is i love it such a fun multiplayer game the idea of playing four players on a cabinet this cool amazing well carrington you wish no longer at least for the canopy um last week we'd mentioned andy's arcade we're giving one away (laughs) well no but we're giving you the instructions to make your own uh, Andy's arcade.de, which we mentioned last week is a great technical resource kind of on the level of Mike's arcade.com. They have a link to uh, a guy named Mark Jensen. I guess he, he came up with a sheet of instructions on how to build your own canopy for the four player cocktail. Uh, his page is dead. The one that links from, from, uh, from Andy's arcade anyway, but fortunately for us, arcade, uh, or, I'm sorry, Archive.org has a copy, and we'll have a link to that in the show notes in case you want to build your own. Archive, uh, archive.org has a copy of everything. It Her, does. Hooray the for whole that. world. There is also another way to get your own, which is even easier and less expensive. You can fold your own paper arcade version. <laughs> <laughs> and so I will have a link. There's a of flicker course. page with that. It'll print it out. You can make a little tiny one that your action figures could play at. So <laughs> you could begin there too. Um, but it's gorgeous. This four-player cabinet, I, I haven't done it justice in describing it. People should just you know go to our show notes and click on the link. And you too will be desperate to have one of these. I just, <laughs> holy cow. And, and yeah, four-player really games, there's this. only a few of them. And I love them all. Like I love all the early, most of them are like driving games, that kind of stuff. But four-player arcade game, is there anything better? I think not. If I had friends, which I don't, <laughs> I would invite them over for parties and we would, we would play on, on one of these. Uh, I would go to those parties. Uh, Eliminator was designed and programmed by Larry Clegg and Mike Hendricks, and it looks like it was not ported to anything. Uh, the, the game mechanic, I think, is... Well, I think fairly... it might have been, but I can't tell. Because like I kept looking, right? And so there's a, these early games called The Eliminator. I found tons of those. I think but those are different. all ports of Defender. Yeah, exactly. Right. So on the TRS-80, the Apple II, the Atari. So I did find those. Then there's a, a game called just Eliminator for the Amiga and Amstrad and C64. That's a different game as well. It's like, okay, who did the? But 
it's a few locations say weirdly that this version of eliminator the game we're talking about was available for the sony psp in mm-hmm. something called the sega genesis collection and i found on a couple of sources including a wikipedia source that lists the games that it is an unlockable game in the Sega Genesis collection. But as far as I can tell, this game was not released for the Sega Genesis. <laughs> so if you buy the Sega Genesis, it they, it just has an emulated version of the arcade game as an unlockable bonus game in that. So that's kind of a port, but like such a bizarre place to have a port. And according to Wikipedia and I think Clove, both of, yeah, both of those list that this was also like the game we're talking about was available on Amstrad CPC Atari ST, Commodore 64, Amiga, the ZX Spectrum, and the Sony PlayStation. But I couldn't find those actual games anywhere. So it's suppo- I think people are getting confused by all those other Eliminator games that are available. And so some people think, oh, Eliminator was on the Amstrad. Well, it must be the same game, but it's different. So it made it very difficult to get like a definitive answer to is this available or not, other than it seems on the Sega Genesis collection. And that's it. Fortunately, it plays just fine in MAME, so you don't even have oh, to worry yeah. about that. It plays great. It'll play great on your new tank stick that you win in our <laughs> hey, contest. Nice segue, sir. I thought so. Uh, not that I don't want the, the cocktail or the stand-up, really. I mean, this is a great game, and of course, there's nothing like having the real um, arcade vector monitor, assuming it doesn't explode in your face. But the problem uh, is... And, and burn your house down. Normally, I would totally agree, and I like this game enough. I would, I would have been totally happy to have this what? as a stand-up game, even though it's got no side art which is disappointing or even a cocktail game because if you're not gonna have side art then fine this can be one of the cocktails with just four buttons it would play really nice you can have a drink on it great but once you see this four-player game i'm not gonna spend all the money for a fire extinguisher and the cocktail game (laughs) because i'm always just gonna be aware that it's not the actual one i want there is one version of this game to get and it's the four-player table island version because it's gorgeous with the canopy with the canopy that you print yourself from Flickr and fold a little <laughs> tiny canopy and just stick it on the middle of the screen. How'd you do, Carrington? I did poorly. Um, As did I. <laughs> like, yeah. I found most of the time I could make it to like level four. <laughs> yeah, so, me too. And yep. sometimes to level five. And then occasionally I like would blow past that and, and oh, wow. go great, do great, but not blow past it very far um (laughs) well could be but it depends like this is a game where you can get um my high score came earlier because you're getting points for like if you can let your shots go they're almost certainly going to hit something that gives you points like there's so many ways to get little bits of points like get 50 points a time on things and that don't really add up to a lot but if you can just sort of spam but spam slow enough that your bullets have chance to hit something you can do okay so the best i did was seventeen thousand three hundred which I think was on like level five or six, but I, I did get farther into the game a couple times. Um, I was on like level five and it just stays on level five and gets harder and harder, but I wouldn't get as high of a score because I started focusing just on trying to you know kill the death bagel as fast as possible. And that's not really a great way to get a high score. You, it seems you want to wait and, and try to stay alive around the outside as long as you can while that major enemy sort of blooms, but then blow up the death bagel before the, the main bad guy launches, because at that point he's almost certainly going to kill you and stays out there. So you, you want to not get the main one released. That's, that's the only strategy I have. So 17,300 was my best. What about you, Mike? How'd you do? <sighs> oh my gosh. I actually beat you. Oh, that's the first time <laughs> in like two months. Oh, way to go me. You must suck at this game. <laughs> 
<laughs> I never got past level four. I could get to level four every time, but I couldn't get past it. Um, and I'm not sure what the catch was for me there, but it uh, got me every time. So the best I could do was 12,800 points. Well, I win and you lose. Um, and I also ended up, uh, my friend Roberta was the one who came over and played as well when we played the two-player game. Mm-hmm. And my high score is better than any score she got as well. So I also beat, I beat both her and you this week. Go Carrington. Double Maharaja winner. Carrington. <laughs> citizen. <laughs> citizen of the world Carrington. Oh my goodness. <laughs> anyway, I, I, in summary though, I recommend this game. I love it. Two-player, four-player, single-player, whatever. Super fun. Yeah. I had a lot of fun. Like I said, I, uh, as was obvious earlier, I, I, I never got to the end of the 30 second countdown to, to find out that the eliminator came out from the middle of the, the, the bagel of death. Um, so, and maybe that had something to do with it. I have a terrible time with patience. You know, I just want to clear the board and move to the next one. And I think it probably would have, I, I may have done better had I, taking my time and exercise more strategy and, and battle thought. Mm-hmm. So. Especially because you're, you're less likely to get killed as long as you're kind of focusing on staying away from the death bagel. Even right. if you get shot by the bad guys, they probably won't throw you all the way across the screen. So you kind of keep, so you can actually sort of stay alive for a bit, just bouncing things around and picking up little points at a time. But yeah, I really dig it. The only thing I, I would recommend that it's, it's almost too bad. It doesn't fully emulate it perfectly. Like when you play it in MAME, it should, you know, ramp up your CPU heat over and over and over again and make fan go and like really emulate that full fire explosion experience yeah. of, of the real monitor. But other than that, it's pretty good emulation. Burn your house down. Exactly. <laughs> you know, for science. So I dig it. All so right. what are we going to play? In, what can I dig next week for no vector? Well, I bet it's another vector game. <laughs> I bet it is too. Here's what it sounds like. So I think that brings us to the end of another um, No Vector, No Quarter podcast. Thank you, everyone, for listening. And remember, all we need from you is an email or a tweet or a post on Facebook or somewhere where we can see it that you want in. And and, uh, and we'll pick a name out of a hat. And in the meantime, we'll see you next week. Bye, everyone. You've been listening to No Quarter, the classic arcade podcast. Feedback can be sent by email to noquarter at monsterfeet.com, or you can find us on Facebook as No Quarter Podcast, and on Twitter, we are at No Quarter Show. You can also find us on both the Throwback Network and the Real Retro Junkies Network. All of these links, plus the show notes, are available at monsterfeet.com. And like all Monster Feet podcasts, the original material in this episode has been released to the public domain. I'm Mike McGinnis.